0: I'm Craig Mazin, and this is the official Watchmen podcast. Throughout all of my conversations with Damon Lindelof last year, Damon kept bringing things back
1: to the writer's room. Damon, why? The writer's room is the core of the creative process, and probably more so for the way that I like to do it than some of my peers. I cannot write by myself. And more importantly, a lot of writing happens in that room. And I think by time a script gets written, you may see one or two names on it. But every one of the episodes of Watchmen, including the pilot, was basically generated by conversations that came out of that room. And there's never been a more democratic room. I think that sometimes a writer's room has to be a benevolent dictatorship. If decisions don't get made, you cannot move forwards at all. Watchmen was not that room. It was a jury room where you had to have unanimous excitement in order to move on. And although that process I think was, I'll just say, brutal and unpleasant uh, (laughs) for, for, for everybody in it, when you arrived at that consensus, and you knew that everybody was on board with it versus someone had been kind of bullied into it. Real magic happened. Yeah. If I may, I just want to make sure I keep talking about this writer's room, uh, like as it is a sort of some collective hive mind, but it's actually individuals that make it up. And so for that first 12 week phase where we did a tremendous amount of the world building, we figured out who Will Reeves was. We figured out his connection to Bass Reeves. We figured out all the mechanics of the pilot and where the, squ- the reins of squids were coming from. And that room was Crystal Henry and Leela Biok and Claire Kishel and Jeff Jensen and Tom Speziali, Nick Hughes, Stacey Osekafor, 4, Cord Jefferson and Janine Neighbors and Brandon Jacobs Jenkins. And we had an incredible writer's assistant, Ryan Lipscomb, who not only wrote down everything we said, but somehow arranged it into coherent thought and often pitched stuff himself. And then... For phase two and three, Carly Ray basically came in, just an incredible writer. You could literally spend an hour talking to any one of these individuals. So many of the great ideas that our Watchmen did not come from my mind. I was just smart enough to say that sounds cool. I'll never get to work with this group again because that's just not the way that the world works anymore, where there are no more bands. It's sort of like we're all roving mercenaries. But the fact that we got to come together to make this show is something that I'm immensely proud of.
0: Well, I am thrilled and lucky to speak with three of the writers who are in that room today. I'm talking to Crystal Henry, Leela Bayok, and Stacey Osekafor. Lila Bayok is a TV writer who has been on The Leftovers, Manhattan, and Castle Rock, and she is credited with Damon on episode 103, She Was Killed by Space Junk.
2: Hello, I'm Leela.
0: Crystal Henry is a police officer turned TV writer and has written on shows like The Chicago Code and APB. She's also credited with Damon on episode 104, If You Didn't Like My Story, Write Your Own. Hi. And Stacey Osei-Kufour is a playwright and had one TV credit- Pen 15 under her belt before Watchmen. She's since written on Hunters and Run, and she is credited with Claire Kieschel on episode 107, and Almost Religious Awe.
3: Hello there.
0: Leela, Crystal, Stacey, welcome.
3: Thank you for having us.
0: I'm kind of a fan of what you all did. And because I'm primarily a writer, this is a conversation I've been looking forward to for a long time. I want to start with a question about how the room actually functioned, because this show appropriately enough, is kind of like a Swiss watch. There are a billion spinning plates. As collaborators, how did you pull this off? How did you manage to do all of these things separately and together and make it seem so seamless? Leela?
2: I have two kids. I've given birth twice. And I think there's sort of an analogy to to being on the other side of giving birth, where you look back and you're like, I literally have no idea how... My body did what it did, and I have no memory of what happened. I kind of feel that way about looking back on the almost two years we spent writing this show. I'm like, holy shit, how did that happen? I don't know. What do, you guys, <laughs> what do you guys think?
3: Well, you know what? For me, I had never been in a room this diverse before. And it wasn't just the racial uh, makeup. There were journalists, there were playwrights, and I wasn't necessarily used to that. Like, I come from primarily the procedural world. And to come to a room where everything was approached by character and there was just a different way of... Breaking story. And if you've worked in network before, it's a machine. It moves at a pretty rapid pace. With Watchmen, one of the wonderful things about it is that we actually had time to develop a chemistry with each other. Stacy?
4: For me, it was my second show that I had worked on. I did the TV show Happy before Watchmen, but really didn't talk much in that room. And so it was pretty green. And Being able to be a part of the show and seeing all of the mechanics and seeing people that were so incredible at pitching and so intelligent and so in love with Watchmen. And I hadn't really ever heard of the comic book, but I was talking to Damon about how he made the decision in terms of which people he chose for the writer's room. And he was saying he really likes people who ran hot. And I feel like everybody cared so much about not only making the show truthful, but like racial aspects of it. We all just cared so much. And I think because we all run hot, it's reflected in the show.
0: Maybe it is that part of why this all worked is because it's not like you all knew that you were writing something that was going to be sort of profoundly impactful on the environment. You were working on a show in and of itself. And that's all that mattered. And you didn't have the weight of expectation there necessarily. But what you did have was a very fearless approach to topics that a lot of people are just uncomfortable dealing with. Although obviously the show is very much centered on race. You're also tackling the persistence of white supremacy in law enforcement, the role that the media, including television shows, plays in perpetuating racist thought, generational trauma, And the way inherited pain damages the people who come after. And you're even tackling the kind of inherent nationalism of the Superman, of the hero itself. And you did it all, it seems to me, on my side of the TV, without fear or blinking or compromise. But I'm kind of curious, because you all worked together in the room, how you navigated that space together to be free enough to screw up but not being so free that you end up hurting each other.
3: I think the show for me, it just happened to come at a time where there has been such a major shift in America's perception of race and policing. And I think that policing and to a larger extent, the criminal justice system has always been a tool of white supremacy. And being a former officer, I can say that, you know, I'm a witness to it, but I think the response to racism feels different. One of the things that really attracted me to Watchmen when I had the meeting with Damon was that he was like, "Okay, one of the things that we definitely want to tackle is racism and policing and the idea of masking. And all of that was very attractive to me because all I kept thinking, like, what would a world where police wear masks look like? (laughs) Because knowing how the system works now and how it oppresses communities of color and how it negatively impacts people of color while they're showing their faces. So imagine what that would be like if the police
0: wore masks. What about you guys? How did you navigate this space so successfully?
2: It's very funny to hear you say that you have a perception of fearlessness because I was tremendously afraid from the beginning until we aired and we saw the response. When Damon first pitched the show to HBO, I think he pitched it as... Watchmen, but it's also a cop show. And trying to figure out how to do a cop show that also felt like Watchmen, that was adamantly not propaganda, which is a word that we didn't know then, <laughs> right. although we intuitively yeah. had a sense of what that was. I was terrified that we weren't going to figure out where that line was. And those were the most. Thorny discussions we had in the room was how to present the police in a way that was not glorifying a deeply white supremacist institution.
0: Stacy?
4: I think that we were fearless, even though Leela is correct. We were scared every day.
0: (laughs) That's a good distinction. I like that. Fearless (laughs) while being scared. I like that.
4: But I think the material is fearless. And so I don't think we really had a choice. And Damon putting, you know, the Tulsa massacre on top of also what we were doing. I don't think we had the space to not go for it. And so we obviously really went for it. And that is because the material is so incredible and emotional and violent and racial. And so I think in the room, we were all just making really big swings because I feel that's what the material required and also what the fans want right. and who Damon is. And so we jumped to the challenge.
0: And met it beautifully. And, and Crystal, you brought up that you were a police officer and mm-hmm. in watching the show, uh, particularly... When we go back in time into the memories Mm of hooded justice and into the memories of police work and law enforcement way, way back, it seemed to me like this show is airing some dirty laundry. And I wonder if you Mm -hmm. feel like maybe it's helping to make a difference. I'm not suggesting that it is on par with the things that happened on a day-to-day basis for real, it is fiction, but do you think it has a place in our culture where it's made a difference?
3: First off, you know, to be clear, I was a black woman first and a police officer second. You know what I mean? So the badge did not shield me from discrimination. It had to have been much worse during the thirties and the forties. And it just was a lot worse than we had it because these are, you got to understand too, that they're pioneers. These were the first black officers and just the racism that they would have endured would have been just absolutely tremendous. But I don't think that people of color are surprised at all to see what Will went through during that time. I think it may be illuminating for some people. You know, that's something that I think people of color live with and I mean, and having experienced both sides because you know, long before I became the police, I knew what it was like to be oppressed. I knew what it was like to be stopped by the police. But my mother was a police officer. So there was also a generational thing. I inherited a lot of her pain and a lot of her trauma from the job. I like to sometimes joke, but I'm kind of also serious when I say that by the time I came on the job, I was already jaded just due to having been there and witnessed the things that she had to endure by being a black police woman. And let me say that, yes, I was a part of a system that oppressed people of color it's one of the reasons why I left the force. At some point, I, I was just like, you know what, I can't do this anymore. I can no longer be a part of this system.
0: You are expressing something that I felt coming through the show, which is a kind of justified, and I'll, I'll use the word healthy, anger. It's there. My sense of watching it was that it was at all times authentic. It wasn't ever trying to push things beyond what they actually were. And so I appreciated that. And and it seems like audiences clearly did too.
4: And also, I just wanted to say, Crystal had these incredible stories that she would share with us about her experience in Chicago as a Black police officer that I feel really, really helped us understand police violence and racial violence. And just hearing those stories, I think really helped me as a writer feel part of the Watchmen world. And so I feel very lucky that Crystal was in the room because her stories were insane. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> insane is the nice way to put it, okay? Just to, just to kind
2: of piggyback on that, part of it was that I think we felt very strongly that we didn't want to make a show that was for white people in the sense of being like, hey, did you know that law enforcement is a deeply white supremacist institution? We're bringing you the news. We wanted to make a show that almost took it for granted. And I think maybe that's part of the authenticity that you're talking about. That was something that was super important to us in the room.
0: Well, it absolutely comes through. And what also comes through here for me is how much the three of you like each other. And Stacy, we like psychically anticipated what I was going to ask next. Tell me, and you've already done it. You already did one because you said some great things right there about Crystal. So I'm kind of curious, Crystal and Lila, something to say about one mm-hmm. of these other women here that just kind of blew you away and impressed you because that's where the honesty happens.
3: <laughs> oh, wow. Okay, wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> With Leela, just one of the smartest women that I've ever met. I can Correct. honestly say that, and I'm not just saying that because, you know, you're oh listening God. and I can see you. <laughs> I learned so much from you and just the way that you break story. Thank you, Crystal. Really good storyteller. Thank you.
2: I think Stacy embodies the tonal palette of Watchmen the series because she is both totally hilarious and out there like the Jeremy Irons on Europa storyline and will just make everybody burst into tears of laughter. But she also has a profound sincerity. And she's a deeply emotional person. And I think that she calibrated us as a room. The duality of that was really important to the
4: show. Wow. I am speechless. I don't want to cry here in front of Craig.
0: That's all I wanted. (laughs) (laughs) And the reason I asked it, just so you know, for a long time, it seemed to me that writers were inherently pitted against each other. And in television, there is a hierarchy. And I just noticed just listening to the three of you and watching you look at each other and listen to each other how not regimented it was and how beautiful it was. And it prompts me to ask this next question. So I've talked to Damon and he said how thrilled he would be to see Watchmen continue on almost as like an open source thing, like somebody else could come along, pick up the Watchmen ball and move forward is would you ever wanna pick that ball up or have you done your time in the Watchmen universe?
2: I've done my time. (laughs) (laughs) It was such an incredibly liberating creative experience in a lot of ways just to have that source material to play with, which is obviously so brilliant, to have the resources of HBO at our disposal and to have the leadership of Damon you know, there are no small pitches in a Damon Lindelof room. The wilder, the better. And I think it lived in that room for me.
3: Yeah, same here. I would not do it without Damon at the helm. Stacey?
4: I don't know. I, let's hear the pitch. <laughs> I, I'm i am interested. I'm, I can't say no.
0: Right. Yeah. <laughs> when the show is on the air, week after week, were you ever like, Okay, brace yourselves, everybody, because <laughs> this one could be trouble. Or did you have those moments where you realized, oh, yeah, we hit it. Like, we we thought we hit that, but now we see where that ball landed. It was, like, way up in the seats. That was a home run. How did that process of watching your stuff suddenly be everyone's stuff feel?
2: It was exhilarating. And I don't think I let go of that fear until after episode nine aired. I was always waiting for the other shoe to drop because when we were writing the show, it really felt like we were having this collective fever dream. And I never knew whether it was even going to be legible to anybody outside the room. (laughs) So I was sort of like, well, there's this tube and it's attached to an elephant.
0: That part is still not legible, by the way. Nobody knows <laughs> yeah, what that means. No.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's going to get it. And so every week I would watch the response on Twitter and I would read recaps and I was like, oh, that actually connected. That ball connected somehow. I
3: don't know how. Yeah. Crystal. I loved it all, but I, I felt like if the audience can make it to episode six that everything will just come together
0: and they'll get it. And why episode six?
3: Because it was the thing that brought everything together. It was the Hooded Justice origin with Lou Gossett. You know, from the start, we are wondering, well, what does this mean? And with Angela and, you know, the cultural center and figuring out that, oh, this is my grandfather and just all of these different pieces. And you're actually seeing it from Will's point of view and Angela is seen in it also. It just felt like, okay, this is this is where the show really gets its legs.
4: Stacey? I was scared as the show was coming out, not only because of the source material, but I think also because the show is so rooted in Blackness and obviously Damon is a lovely Jewish man. And um, I was anticipating that people would have a reaction to that. And I was hoping that even though he did the work for it and obviously hired Black writers and we were all a part of it to make the show true and honest and beautiful. But I was worried that because it was a Black show, quote unquote, that Damon Lindelof was doing, that people wouldn't watch it or see the authenticity there. And I was happy and relieved to see that people did give it a chance and did feel it was honest. And I was also very interested in what, you know, black Twitter had to say, you know, because that's a whole nother world. And the memes, the gifts, the everything that came about from it was so beautiful and so hilarious and so moving. And, and I also think for me, like, I had never been a part of something so big. I think mm. when I got hired for this show, my husband was like, sit down, sit down. I, I have to tell you everything. You, you, your life has changed. And I was like, whose life has changed? And he was like, yours. <laughs> your life will never be the same. And I I didn't really understand that. Even while we were in the writer's room, I didn't understand that. And if I had, I probably would have behaved a little differently.
3: But <laughs>
4: I didn't understand it until the show came out. and. To see how massive it is. And so yeah, my life has changed, but I don't know if Stacy's gonna remember this, but last year I ran
2: into Stacy at an Emmy party. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and it was right before Watchmen had premiered. And I was still, I had that pit in my stomach. I was just bracing myself. I did not know what people were gonna think. And Stacy and I are hanging out by like the raw bar. She's in this fabulous gown and i was like stacy what what's going to happen when the show comes out and stacy was like Leela, it is going to be huge it is going to be huge and i was like wait really
0: you really think so did you really think so
4: i did i really did just because like it was two fucking years that we all worked on it i mean come on <laughs> also when i was thinking about your original question of how the show was so seamless I was thinking about this this crazy thing that Damon does is that everyone in the room has to sign off on something, yeah. which would make some days excruciatingly long. Hell. Yeah. <laughs> because sometimes Liva would have a fresh idea that everyone liked, but I wasn't into or Crystal had a fantastic, very strange pitch <laughs> that <laughs> half the room loved and then half people didn't. And Damon would be like, you have to all sign on or it's not going through. And that to this day was so, so hard, but also I think is why the show is so great because it had to make sense for everyone. Everyone had to be into it or it wasn't going to go on that board.
0: Well, you've mentioned the Emmys. So I would be remiss if I didn't point out that Watchmen has gathered, let me just count, 14,000 Emmy nominations, but as part of the producing team, all three of you are wrapped up in the big one, which is the nomination for Outstanding Limited Series. How does it feel to get something like all of these Emmy nominations for uh, the thing that was entirely within your, your little family there for two years?
2: It's so bizarre. It's,
3: it's like a dream. It feels weird. It hasn't really sunk in. So Especially
2: yeah. this year, because it's like we can't celebrate together. Yeah. yeah. So the Emmys just feels like almost abstract since there's no ceremony and Stacey, what do you what do you feel?
4: Well, first I just wanna say I'm not a producer and watchman, I'm a story editor. So if I'm not supposed to be here, I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh,
0: you you count.
4: Yes, exactly. Of course it counts. Okay. <laughs> not a producer, but I think it's awesome. I'm so excited, surprised, shocked, relieved. I think it's like all of our hard work and it's so beautiful to see. I It's sad that we can't be drunk together. I really want to see Damon <laughs> drunk, but I know that after all of this, we will party really hard.
0: One day you guys, I think, will get together in some excellent place somewhere, all on Damon Lindelof's dime. Exactly. And have many drinks and celebrate what is a fantastic achievement, specifically in writing and in general in television. It was an incredible series. It's going to be talked about for a long time. And I hope that people are inspired, not just by the quality of the show, but by the bravery of the show, and also by the way that the show's cast and writing team reflect real diversity. So it's not just the sort of slogan of diversity, but actually proving the point that diversity works and has great benefit. So in that regard, I hope it has moved the ball forward. You certainly moved the ball forward creatively in terms of television. Congratulations to all three of you and thank you so much for joining us.
2: Bye Crystal, bye (laughs) Stacy.
0: Bye Lila.
3: Bye.
0: Thanks to writers Crystal Henry, Leela Byock, and Stacey Osekafor for having this conversation. And remember, you can still stream Watchmen on HBO and HBO Max. This podcast is produced by HBO and Pineapple Street Studios. Please subscribe, rate, and review. That's how people find us. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.